Hey, Sarah. So are you on Strava? I am on Strava, kind of. So I technically have an account, but I never use it. So all that happens is I get these notifications from people who either start following me, which they're going to be gravely disappointed because there's no new training on there. Or if somebody happens to steal like a queen of the mountain I didn't even know I had from 2012 or something, then I get notified. So you're an avid user is what I'm hearing. <laughs> so right? you, have, you, have you checked your privacy settings? Because are you sure you're not accidentally revealing like Canadian military secrets? Is that a thing? It turns out, yeah, it turns out this is a real thing. Uh, it was all over the news this week. All these heat maps on Strava that ag- aggregate people's running and cycling data, mostly running, Turns out there's like some weird little blip in the middle of, you know, Syria that was like a military base that, you know, people were just running around and uploading their data to Strava. And now it turns out that there's like all these military bases all over the world that are being revealed in Strava heat maps. Amazing. So I guess the question is then, is ISIS on Strava? Probably now. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast and get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. Hey, Kelly. So I was reading the newsletter this week and I had a question for you. You didn't have many, many questions for me? Well, there's always questions, but this, <laughs> this one kind of stood out. The segment about the Nasser trial with the U.S. gymnasts, you said you were talking about a couple of guys having a conversation in your gym and you mentioned guys like who sounded sort of like they were defending Nasser's sexual abuse of underage girls by saying there's some kind of like chiro treatment that <laughs> apparently apparently there is technically a treatment so these it was all guys in my gym that day so I was getting like the full male locker room perspective and they weren't defending him they kept all saying like to be very very like they were all like of course he's a bad guy. Of course he should go to jail for the rest of life. What he did was terrible. But then they kept always saying, but and they were like, but that judge just really, you know, she was just really mean. And then they were like, but apparently, technically, there's a certified chiropractic procedure where in order to like release the muscle in your lower back, you like go up through the anus or the vagina with your hand, I guess, or a tool to release this muscle. Like they were just like, isn't that fascinating? How curious. <laughs> and I was like, uh... I don't really think 160 girls happen to need this one a very specific, bizarre procedure. Right. Like that might be the case that there is a strange procedure, but right. that's like 
got absolutely nothing to do with this case. It was really more interesting in terms of the perspective I was getting from the guys at my gym. Like they were just kind of like, oh, isn't this fascinating? Oh, isn't this interesting? How curious? Well, I certainly wouldn't let my daughter be alone with the doctor. That was their conclusion ultimately. Whereas the conversations I've been having with my female friends have been totally different about this. Right. Understandably. Completely different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> thanks for clear. Aren't you, aren't you more in the know now? <laughs> I feel enlightened. Yeah. There was something else that happened this last week though. The TBI conference, which I also talked about in the newsletter triathlon business international where they announced a whole bunch of like new initiatives to like try and get more people into triathlon they're really like trying to get down into like the weeds and the nitty-gritty of like recruiting people and i understand that they're asking everyone to sign a pledge and you even got an email asking you did you sign the pledge sarah (laughs) to recruit five more people to triathlon so I got the email. I am a member of TBI and I got the email and I haven't signed the pledge just yet, but it strikes me as funny almost that like, I don't feel like I need to be asked to sign a pledge. I feel like there are a lot of, especially women that I know and some men in triathlon who are already doing so much work to get more people into triathlon that it's almost, I don't know. It just seems strange to me to be asked specifically to do that. I mean, you don't have to ask me. And I know people don't have to ask you or a lot of my friends to do that. We're just doing it anyway. Yeah. But I mean, in their defense, and I totally get this, they are trying to like codify and make easier what already happens on a grassroots level, right? Like if we it's one thing to say vaguely, like we want to support clubs who recruit women. And it's another to like give them actual like resources and information and grants to like do that. Right. So like, I get it kind of, right? Well, there are some people who I would like, not naming any names, to send a pledge form to, asking them to pledge for gender equality and diversity and inclusivity in triathlon. Well, we're there, they want to get more women into triathlon. Is it, let's see, that's the other thing, though, is why, Sarah, don't you want more women to be in triathlon? Like, why is this a bad thing? Like, that's what everybody wants, right? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, okay. I've said this all along, but, you know, I think there are a lot of initiatives aimed at getting more women in triathlon and more people into triathlon. But once we are here or once all these previously excluded people are now included, how are we treating them? And are we doing enough to change the culture of triathlon to make it feel like an inclusive space for women or for people of color or for trans athletes? I mean, where are the initiatives to do that? That's what I think is missing in triathlon. So you're saying that people are getting us here, but now like we're here, you and me, we're here. And what happens now? I feel like you have some ideas though. <laughs> you, have, you, you don't just have questions, Sarah. You have thoughts. <laughs> I have thoughts. I have some answers maybe. So yeah, I was actually in Tempe this week as well, but not for the TBI conference. I am myself and a friend are organizing a women in triathlon conference. And part of it is to answer some of those questions, at least from the women's side. I mean, I know triathlon has a lot of different groups that don't feel included. But from this, from that perspective, I think I want to create a space where women who are already in triathlon, who are already leaders, who already feel empowered and ready for the next step for those of us to meet and to brainstorm and to get 
leaders, business owners, high-level coaches, and those types of people together to hear them speak and share ideas. So that is loosely what this what the conference is going to be about. But I feel like most of the people I work with in triathlon are women, right? So why can't... Well, I, I'm not even sure we need to have our own special women's thing. Like, why can't women just be in charge of, like, the normal conference and the, and the regular triathlon stuff? Women totally can be in charge of the normal conference. <laughs> I think, you know, you're like, you're like, I will take that job if anyone yeah. wants to give it to exactly. me. Exactly. Before the show, I think we were going to name you the CEO of Iron Man. Right. I, I will. Think. I will take that job if anyone wants to hand it if over. If anyone's offering it. Yeah. Once the, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So basically, I think that we need both of those spaces to exist. So I think so long as we have underrepresented groups, and this goes in, this goes for different areas of society, but we're talking about triathlon right now. I think we need a space for women to come and gather and to talk about their ideas together because we're underrepresented. But I think that we also need more women to be included in the leadership. You know, it would be great if we saw more women presenting at TBI and more women attending TBI or more women on the board of directors for Ironman or those kinds of places that right now actually have the power in our sport. So yes, we definitely need women in those places, but until we are fully represented, we also need a space for ourselves to kind of gather, share ideas, gain momentum. So more details coming, I feel like. More details coming on our amazing conference. Is this later this year? Is that the plan? Yes. Yeah. There's going to be a press release in, I'd say, within the next two months. Oh, fancy. Fancy. So watch for that. Watch for that. And since you're the press, I'll send you the release. <laughs> good, good. I'll publish it on Live Feisty Media. <laughs> okay. So this week we had actually some sad news out of Honolulu. Lekti Altman I think she's, you have friends. Yeah, she's friends with a lot of friends. friends of mine. She's like a pretty, a really good age group triathlete. And so because she's friends with a lot of friends of mine, this was all over my social media this week. She got hit by someone drag racing. I mean, this wasn't like, oh, she ran a stop sign when she shouldn't have been. This was like a guy just completely wiped her out, swerved, trying to drift, I believe is the term, across like a pretty busy road or a popular road uh, with cyclists and runners. The thing though is, and I put some of this in the newsletter, I don't even think she was like the only person I know that was hit this last week. I feel like these things are just becoming more and more common. And at first I thought it was just coming to a head, like the cyclist driver anger around here. Cause like in the Bay area, we do have so many cyclists, but it seems like it's everywhere. It seems like it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I agree that road rage does seem to be getting worse. And, you know, we had something here in Victoria recently where somebody made a Facebook group, maybe about four or five years ago called shit cyclists of Victoria. And basically it, it opened up this space where motorists could come in and basically put anything they want about cyclists. There was a lot of videos and photos of cyclists apparently behaving badly, which a lot of it was just sort of like cyclists claiming the lane when it was unsafe to be over to the side or cyclists being in the correct place in a roundabout or people riding to abreast. What happened was that the group started to incite violence. So people would come in and say things like, oh, you should, you know, try to hit that person or whatever and it changed the culture of cycling here big time you could see the difference over the course of say the first year that that group existed because victoria is not a big place three hundred thousand people and you could see just that little it almost empowered the motorists to behave badly and we are the ones the cyclists are the ones who are in danger i know because even I mean, we hear this a lot because I have we have two groups of people that people hate around here. You have like the tourists who rent bikes and have no idea what they're doing and like 
do all like are trying to take selfies while they're bike, right? Which is awful. And then we have all the recreational cyclists and the competitive cyclists who drive over like by my house because I live in a nice area and ride. And so all the locals hate both of those and they get and so you hear this kind of stuff all the time. They're like, well, they shouldn't be out here anyway. Well, they're riding two abreast. They deserve what they get. Like you might as well just hit them. It's their own fault. And I just find that insane to me because even I don't know how we got here. Even if I'm like, oh, man, that person ran a stop sign. That's crazy. My next response isn't I should kill them. Right. Like that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, that is crazy. And there are like some studies, I feel like more and more about like it's not just in our head. Right. It's not just anecdotal. There was like a triple A study recently about how like 80 percent of people even admit to committing road rage incidents like too aggressive, like not having it happen to them, that they're doing it and it is on the rise. And I don't know. I don't know what we do about that. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think when you're trying to make change of any kind or get groups to understand each other, you have to kind of. First, start with actually something you often say, like, we're still people, you know, understanding each other's humanity and perspective. Yeah, I mean, I know for a lot of triathletes, their answer has just been to get off the roads, right? Like, this is why gravel racing is up. It's why mountain biking's up. It's why indoor cycling, like all the virtual stuff is up because they're just like scared of getting hit. But I do feel like that can't be our long-term plan, right? Like our long-term plan can't be just to like avoid the outdoors forever. My long-term plan is driverless cars. Oh, good. Oh, I mean, well, I mean, I should say Google's long-term plan that I, that I think will help. That Have I you think ever seen cyclists. one? I see them around here sometimes. <laughs> they don't make me feel safer as a cyclist, but ultimately. Is it, is it creepy? It's like you're weird. just, are you weird. like cycling along and then you look over and there is a vehicle driving with a I've only a seen them when I'm driving. I've only seen them when I'm driving. never spiking but yeah they say they're going to be out on the road by like 2020 or something like that so but in the short term until driverless cars are everywhere i think we're going to have to continue to understand like try and remind people that like we're all people because it's when it becomes like a nameless faceless like the vague cyclists it's also when it becomes like us versus them that it's really problematic so i think you have to keep like advocating talking to people the other thing is like it is top down i know around here when the police are harassing cyclists or the police are setting up we had these like cyclist enforcement stops where they would like stop you and tell you about how you should be riding you know whatever and that like really set this kind of standard of oh like cyclists are lesser you know Mm kind of like stop and frisk but for cyclists it was bad and so like I do think it is top down I think we have to like advocate for ourselves advocate as people like try and talk to each other I think those are all like key things for sure I was once part of a conversation actually at a pub this just came to me that we were talking about those share the road signs you know and it just has a picture of a car and then a cyclist beside it yeah and all the cyclists at the table thought that those signs were for the drivers and all the drivers thought that they were for the cyclists Hmm. And they were debating and I'm like, um, could I say maybe that they're for both? Like it's for <laughs> all of us because it's share the road. <laughs> yeah. It never occurred to me that those might be for cyclists. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? I do think the, I do think like maybe before you get your driver's license, you should be required to like use the road in some other capacity, right? Yeah. Like as a biker or, I mean, we have horses here too, whatever, because it would give you like another perspective. A perspective. So it's all about understanding. Mm-hmm. Isn't it always? We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, Crave with a K, 
com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton, and our social media coordinator is Helen Positor. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time You better get ready to race to the top I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is I step on the field, it's time to get real and I'm feeling so ruthless Okay, so Kelly, before we go, I understand you have a public service announcement Right, I understand that not everybody knows this But the Winter Olympics start a week from today, FYI PSA, the Winter Olympics start next Friday, in case you missed that. And of course, we knew here in Canada, because our chances of winning stuff in the Winter Olympics goes way, way up over the Summer Olympics. Well, especially since there won't be any Russians. Okay. Ready? One. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Well, you counted so weird. You were like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, I'm supposed to say, hey, Sarah, are you on Strava? <laughs> so, okay, ready? All right, count normal this time. Okay. All right, one. Ready? One, two, three. Three. <laughs> <laughs> what? what did I do? You're like, okay, so are you, am I on a delay for you? Because you're on a delay yeah, for me. Yeah, there's a delay. Okay, well, then she's going to have an impossible time matching it up. We'll just have to deal with it. The Skype recorder. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. She'll figure it out. All right, Erin, we're starting. <laughs>